Well, today we have a treat. We have Brooke Lattice, uh, who will be here to share uh, from the scriptures today. Brooke is a dear friend of mine and of ours. She's a former Heartland staff member. She's currently serving uh, in full-time capacity at another church. And uh, she is just a friend of Heartland, and she's here with us. What I love about Brooke is she is so fun and she's so real, and sometimes too fun and too real, but that's okay. We love you anyway. Um, and the other cool thing is, as you'll, you'll hear uh, from her life, she's been through a lot of the really difficult stuff. And she's able to communicate that, and she's able to carry herself with a smile on her face. And so, thank you, Brooke, for being here with us. Let's give a hand to Brooke Lattice. blessing to be back in this place, so thanks so much for having me this morning. Hey, we're going to start out by looking and reminding ourselves what the news has looked like lately. Does this look familiar? Feels like for five months straight, it's just been the same tape over and over and over. Every single day, we're able to watch or read, and we just inhale a constant barrage of discouragement. Well, as we turn to the Psalms for this sermon series, we're reminded that these feelings, fear, discouragement, loss, division, injustice, sadness, they're not new. The current issues of the day shift and change, but the difficulty of being human and all that that entails is not new. Today we're going to look at Psalm 56 together, and the translation of the Bible that I loved, just the words that were used was the Passion Translation. So we're not going to cover all of it, but we're going to hit some high points and just get clear on some themes, because I'm, my hope is that we'll all find it deeply relevant to what we're all going through right now. So it starts out, Lord, show me your kindness and mercy. For these men oppose and oppress me all day long. Not a day goes by but that somebody harasses me. So many in their pride trample me under their feet. Well, as I began to wrap my head and my heart around this psalm, I put it in um, just little segments and came up with my own translation, kind of how I would talk to God if this is what I were up against so my translation of those first couple of verses is just, God, show me your kindness and compassion because life is freaking hard. And sometimes people and relationships feel impossible. We turn back to the psalm and it says, but in the day that I'm afraid, I lay all my fears before you and trust in you with all my heart. What harm could a man bring to me? With God on my side, I will not be afraid of what comes. The roaring praises of God fill my heart, and I will always triumph as I trust his promises. My translation of this part, 
I'm scared and I'm tired. But even when life feels hard and people and relationships feel impossible, I choose to come to you with my fear, God. With God on my side, I choose to trust, thank, and praise him. And you guys, the word praise is kind of a churchy word, but it's really just reflecting God's character back to him. Verses 5 through 8 felt a little redundant, so I just, I summarized them with life is hard and people and relationships still feel impossible. Then we go back to the psalm, the very moment I call to you for a father's help, the tide of battle turns and my enemies flee, this one thing I know, God is on my side. I trust in the Lord and I praise him. I trust in the word of God and I praise him. What harm could man do to me? With God on my side, I will not be afraid of what comes. My heart overflows with praise to God and for his promises. I will always trust in him. So I'm thanking you with all my heart, with gratitude for all you've done. My translation is back to God, I'm scared and I'm tired. But even when life feels hard and people feel impossible, I will run to you, God. In God, the battle shifts. With God on my side, I choose to trust, thank, and praise him. You guys, this psalm reminds me a lot of a game of ping pong, just constantly going back and forth. David lays out the realities of deeply painful circumstances and people who are out to take him down, but then reminds himself over and over of our perspective as followers of Jesus, of the character of God and the promises we cling to in him. It's familiar, isn't it? This back and forth. We all have some obvious global problems we're facing, COVID-19 and the ripples from that, illness, maybe even deaths of loved ones, job loss, major financial difficulties, lives altered with the canceling of so many things, in-person school, plans, sports, activities. Many of us are working from home, so much uncertainty right now. Some of us are experiencing too much togetherness with our families, others of us not nearly enough. The need for racial reconciliation and the pain of grappling with racial inequities has been deeply painful to begin to understand more clearly the years and layers of a warped system. Our political climate, the polarization of our country, so much anger. We also each bring our own personal stuff into this room that we're up against. So how can we continue to trust God when our lives feel like they're unraveling? And how can we learn to manage that tension to find peace and joy even among the hard? Because I don't know about you, but sometimes when tragedy and chaos hits, it feels to me like God is absent. 
So how do we live an integrated life with God? What does it look like to live fully and wholeheartedly in both our difficult circumstances and in God's promises, which are filled to the brim with hope? How can I trust God when I just can't feel it? He seems elusive, invisible, absent. I believe wholeheartedly in God. I believe in his promises. Sometimes I'm just not sure I believe them for me. Can you relate? Because really, how can I experience my difficult circumstances in a world that seems to be falling apart on many levels and believe in a good God? Well, the past several years, I've been working on just this, how to figure out how to manage this tension in my own life I've spent countless hours in a therapist's office. Apparently, she has fantastic job security in me because I just keep coming back, and it doesn't seem to be slowing down. I have no idea how much I've spent on learning this wisdom, but I'm just going to charge you guys each like 50 bucks. Is that fair? It's way less than I've spent. So the first step in learning to manage this tension of our pain and God's promises is to name the hard. My therapist would tell you to name it to tame it. Get in touch with the hard and allow ourselves to feel it. Don't try to walk around it or circumvent it because the only way is directly through it. In this part, you guys, we have to be, just be willing to be raw and transparent, honest and vulnerable. We can't sugarcoat our prayers. God already knows what we're thinking, so there is no reason we can't lament and cry out and be ridiculously honest with him. I'm pretty sure that when I get to heaven, before Jesus allows us to have our little heart-to-heart, -heart, he's going to wash my mouth out with soap. Because full disclosure, I can't figure out how to make praying and cussing Mutually exclusive. Is that wrong? Probably. But it's real. And sometimes I wonder if that's actually more important to God. The fact that we're willing to drag our defeated, exhausted, discouraged, even angry hearts to him, filled with raw emotion and open wounds, and lay them at his feet. Life is hard you guys. Think about the people in the Bible. Job, Jesus. Think about Paul. Do you guys know what his life looked like? This is from 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 28, where Paul says, I'm more. I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked, as you are. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea and in danger from false believers. 
I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. And this is from Paul, the dude who was literally chained up in prison when he wrote all about being content in all circumstances. So at what point did I create the idea in my own head that life should be easy? And that somehow the ease of my life is in direct correlation with the presence of God. When David wrote Psalm 56, the one we're reading today, listen to what he was up against. He had to be separated from his best friend Jonathan and was on the run, running for his life. He was told he was going to be king. Samuel anointed him, but then David had to wait 14 years until it came to fruition. He was hunted for many of those years by King Saul, who tried to kill him. He was a fugitive. His future was very uncertain for over a decade. He had major dysfunction in his family, suffered leadership failures, was a betrayer, liar, and murderer. And yet, you know how God described him? He described David as a man after his own heart. You guys, God has great perspective on the fact that life is incredibly messy. And yet, just like he did with David, he continues to choose to do his work on earth through us, through you and through me. I think about my own life and the reasons people call me constantly. Most of the time it's friends of friends. I literally don't even know them. And here's what they want to talk about. Divorce, cancer, difficult parenting situations. Apparently those are the three things that I'm an expert, I'm an expert in. You know what I want people to start calling me about? Winning the lottery and how I dispersed my funds. I want somebody to call me and say, hey, we have a house in Colorado. We just need a human for it. Would that be you? Would you like to snowboard daily? I want those phone calls. Unfortunately, they don't seem to be coming. Christine Kane, an author, speaker, and advocate, recently said, disappointment is a place we pass through, not a place we stay. Many of us are walking through major disappointments in this season. So many losses, unrealized plans and dreams, people letting us down, and of course us letting others down. Disappointment is real, painful, and can be debilitating. One of the hardest things we must learn to do is to deal with and move beyond our disappointments and failures. On the other side of the dis is an appointment with God, and that appointment could change yours or someone else's life. The current chapter of your life may be a long one, but your story is not over yet. Though the unexpected happens, God never leaves you there. Keep trusting, keep believing. After we've named our pain and discouragement, 
Our second step is to run towards God. Invite him into our pain so we can walk through the hard together. Where do you tend to run when you feel discouraged or hopeless? Instagram? Facebook? Netflix? The local bar? Venting to friends? Food? Video games? Because so often we attempt to numb our pain away from God. And these things are all fine. They're just not substitutes for God. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. You guys, he begs us to come to him. No matter how sad, angry, worn out, desperate, discouraged we are. So this picture is one of my favorites um, of parenting, and it's my son Isaac probably 11 years ago or so. My favorite part about this picture is it reminds me how when my kids were little, anytime they were hurt or scared, they would just run to me with their arms up. I didn't need any magic answer. They just wanted to be held, and, and I might say a few words to them. I have no idea what I'm saying in this picture. But you guys, that's the same thing God is offering to us. He wants us to come to him so he can give us a comfort and love that is so much bigger than we can even comprehend. Our third step is to right-size God and right-size ourselves. Recently, I was um, able to spend some time in the mountains and part of the reason I love it so much there is because I am constantly reminded with tangible visual illustrations that God is big and I am small. Literally everywhere I look, I'm reminded of what he's capable of. One of the practices I've been doing in my own life to try to remind myself of this is in my um, Bible and just the devotional that I read, I always circle every word that pertains to God. So God, Jesus, Lord, Him, He, I circle those. And then I underline the action verb. You guys try this. Almost every single time the action verb belongs to God. Our job is just to be a willing participant and recipient. So part of our job is to get clear on God's part of the story and to get clear on our part. Think about Psalm 56. It feels like David is grappling with just this, right-sizing God and right-sizing himself. He keeps wrestling with his difficult circumstances and people who are just wreaking havoc on his life. He names these things and laments to God over and over. But ultimately, after every time that he laments, he very purposely directs his gaze back towards God and his promises. David's circumstances throughout the psalm, they have not changed. They remain incredibly difficult. And yet each time he reminds himself of his circumstances, he chooses to also pivot just a little. 
just a slight look up to remember that the big picture, the true perspective, comes from a life when we experience our circumstances, certainly, but remember to keep our gaze most often at God. That creates a life that looks like this. It's all happening at the same time, our circumstances and his promises. We just choose to give more weight to his promises. Our final step is just the old adage, never hike alone. It's the buddy system for kids. You guys, we need each other. There's a reason Jesus sent people out in pairs. We were created for connection and we heal in relationship. Not only does God want to be with us, he also encourages us to walk with friends. We need a partnership with God and a community of people. So what does that look like? To tether to God and at the same time to link arms with some friends on our journey. I want to share a cool story with you guys about how God provided for our family during this difficult COVID season. When school ended abruptly for the year in March, we all felt sad and scared about our future. We were doing our best to stay engaged in online school. I was working full time but from home in a job that revolves completely around people and I was trying to figure out how to do it all from afar. My kids were bored, tired, and discouraged, and they desperately missed their friends and activities. To be honest, I didn't think there would be much joy in this season. Our, our family spent a lot of time outside together, just going for walks, riding bikes, shooting baskets. We call it forced family fun at our house. And let me tell you, my teenage kids are big fans of such activities. But one day while we were on a forced family walk, we ran into a neighbor family we didn't know very well. While chatting on the sidewalk, our kids quickly connected. And although their kids are only two and five and my kids are much older, it was clear there was just an immediate sweet bond among them. I learned that Maggie, the mom, is a type 1 diabetic and high risk in terms of COVID. So for a couple weeks, we tried to keep our kids six feet apart from each other. But eventually, we decided it was worth the risk to do quarantine together. Mostly because a two-year-old and a five-year-old have absolutely no desire to socially distance. So we began to refer to ourselves as one family with two houses. I want to show you guys some of our adventures together. Now, keep in mind, when quarantine began five months ago, we did not even know each other's names. Now, we literally cannot imagine our lives without them. We are still together a good portion of every single day. We share meals together, ride scooters, and spend a ridiculous amount of hours swimming in a little inflatable pool in their backyard. We've celebrated birthdays, ridden bikes. We even got to teach little Ellie how to ride a bike. We've climbed trees, 
relaxed on our porches, played backyard golf, searched for critters, picnicked in the park, enjoyed couch time together, and helped with sink baths. This sweet family is one of our family's greatest gifts. We call this our quarantine, and we can't wait to do years of life together as family. You guys, so many facets of this COVID season have been so hard. Think back to the news clips we looked at together. There is no shortage of bad news. But if we look closely and pay attention, we can see little gifts from God sprinkled all along our paths, even during our most difficult times. Life is freaking hard. There's no question. And if we always look straight ahead directly into our circumstances, we can quickly get discouraged, overwhelmed, and paralyzed. So let's remember to name it to tame it. Run to God and invite him in. And don't forget to look up just a little in order to right-size God and right-size ourselves. And tether our hearts to God and his promises, but also link arms with some friends along the way. As we finish up our time together, we're just going to do a quick little psalm exercise. And there will be a hard copy of this available online, but I want you to just think through it. We're going to think through our own lives much like Psalm 56. So we start by looking at God. God, I invite you in. Remind me of your blank. What is that for you right now? What do you need to remember about God's character? Is it his kindness, compassion, endurance, mercy? What do you need to remember that God is absolutely capable of in your life? We look back at our circumstances and say, this season feels what? Identify and name what you're feeling. Don't be afraid to cry out to God and be ridiculously honest. This is your lament. Even among that time, we choose to look back at God and say, but with God on my side, blank is possible. Is it healing, transformation, recovery, redemption, peace? Joy, flourishing. We go back to our circumstances and say, God, I'm tired and weary, and I've lost hope in what? What is that for you? We look back to God to end our psalm to say, but with God on my side, blank is possible. Regardless of my circumstances, I choose to trust, thank, and praise you, God. 
Well, in praying together to end our time together, I just want, um, I want to show you guys a little something that I've learned at the new church that I go to or that I'm working at. So what happens is every prayer we say with kids is called a repeat after me prayer. So I say a little line and then the kids say it back. And it's kind of cool because it teaches people how to get really comfortable with just praying out loud. So I'm asking you guys for audience participation. Are you up for that? All right. Here we go. Let's bow our heads and we're going to do a little repeat after me prayer. Dear God, we come to you and want to be honest with you. That life feels really hard right now. Sometimes it's difficult to understand where you are in all this. Sometimes we wonder if you're absent. We want to invite you into our struggles. Please be with us in the hard. And help us to see the little blessings. And experience joy. God, help us connect to our quarantines. In Jesus' name, amen.